everybody, welcome into another edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs Check. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony Andraki here with Andy Martinez. And Andy, we're going to start off by doing a little bit of trivia. Okay. I, uh, I got the question from Kyle Milanovic on our social team. Yep. Obviously, you're familiar with Kyle. Uh, I think I've met Kyle once or twice. Yeah, good dude. Um, also, our trivia nerd here. Yeah. So he gave us the question. It is, um, how many pitchers have the Cubs used? This is before Tuesday's game. So Jeremiah Estrada, Brendan Little have not been in yet. They would be, the, obviously, the two new guys um, at this point. But... Prior to that, how many pitchers have the Cubs used so far this season? That's a good question. I think they're up to 56 players, players. they've used, position and pitchers. Okay. So. Last uh, year they set the big league record with 69. Six, 69 different players that they used. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with 32 pitchers, and I, I did get a caveat from Kyle that it said it includes the position players that have thrown. So like Fran Mill Reyes. Frank Schwindel, those instances. Andrelton so, Simmons. Andrelton Simmons. So just those three as far as position players? Um, I believe so. I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. I, okay. I don't think that there was anyone else that that pitched. I think it's been Frank Schwindel most of the time. Is that his? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with 32. 32 out of? And I feel like, like I'm on the low end. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. That's difficult because they've had guys go up and down and injuries. Right. Obviously, several guys they've traded away. But they've used a decent amount of position players as well. Yeah. And if they're somewhere around the like 55 to 60 range, I don't remember exactly. And you have that. the answer in your, your I hand. I do. It's so very it's not official. like we're like yeah. acting and cheating it's or anything. It's very official. Uh, I'm going to go really with 30 on the dot. 30 on the dot. Yeah. So I'm going to look up. This is super official here. Just un- unrolling this rolled up sheet of paper that Kyle gave me. We need a drum or something. 38. 38. Wow. I told you. I felt like my number wow. was low. Yeah. I really wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Um that's pretty crazy. And then you add in the fact that, again, we're recording this like early on in Tuesday's game here. So Brennan Little and Jeremiah Estrada have not pitched. I'm definitely anticipating that they will pitch yes. at some point in Toronto. Any other guys that come up, any September call-ups who have not yet yeah. made their, their 2022 debut. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. honestly, for the Cubs to set an MLB record last year with 69 people, used on the team and then yeah. they they could approach that for sure and i think the pirates i remember like early in the first half or, or maybe not early in the first half but in the first half of a, if i'm remembering correctly i think they were like at like 59 or 60 players that they'd already used at that point so wow. that cubs record might be broken uh this year by the pirates just based on uh how many players that they've been using yeah it's a new mlb and for sure like yeah. right now just in terms of so many players getting up optionable arms are a huge factor and yeah i think honestly that's going to be a big part of the calculus for the cubs moving forward is what arms they have that they could option uh, you know on that shuttle from iowa to chicago and we know with the new rules there's only five options per year for a certain player guys like mark Leiter jr and alfonso rivas are getting close i think yeah. rivas is already at three or four yeah, i believe so um and that doesn't even include the one game that he was up for field of dreams and back which i don't yeah. think really counts I, yeah i don't think because that's a specialty game i think it's yeah. like the double header where he's just like the extra person and yeah. he gets sent right back down honestly if you're including that too anderson espinoza is close because yeah. he's been up for two or three double headers yeah, he has. yeah um but yeah i mean you know as we talk about estrada and little i think right now seeing some of those young relievers seeing those guys up in the big leagues for the first time david ross said like this is a great opportunity it's almost like a free look at them in the 40-man roster mm-hmm or sorry, against big league hitters without being on the 40-man roster because as replacement players in Toronto, 
they don't need to be added to the 40-man roster. Right. So uh, it's it's little a first-round pick in 2017, and Jeremiah Estrada, who was the fifth-rounder that year. I think sixth it was round, sixth-rounder. Sixth-rounder. Yeah. But they gave him a million dollars to sign. So a huge deal, the fact that, that he potentially will be up. Um, you know, once the, they make their debut, the Cubs' first seven picks from 2017 will have all pitched in the majors, most of them for the Cubs. Um, one, Alex Lang, was traded for Castellanos to the Tigers a couple years ago. So, but other than that, yeah, I mean, that's that's an amazing draft from 2017. But I think it, it's a great chance to look at these guys who will be Rule 5 eligible this winter. The Cubs will need to figure out whether they want to keep them or not. I think Estrada definitely, the yeah. way his numbers that he's num- put up. Yeah, and it's and it's really improved where, you know, I think it was 20... 21, 2019, he was really, obviously 2020 was the lost season, but he was like in the three, fours, I think so. There, I think there was one you know, level where he was at a five ERA, and then this season he's been in the ones in three different levels. Like he has just yeah. shown that he can get strikeouts. And to your point, a six-round pick that they gave a million dollars to, he's from the Coachella uh, area in California, Palm Springs. I have a buddy who actually <laughs> is from the area. And he told me he knew Jeremiah a little bit, and he said, I thought he was going to UCLA. I thought he was the commitment was pretty solid. He was going to go to UCLA. And then he got the million bucks, and it's kind of hard to turn down a million bucks. Especially for a six-round pick. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this is a this is a player development win, absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that his stuff is so nasty. He's missing so many bats that Lance Brozowski just ranked him in the top 25 yeah. of all Cubs prospects a couple of weeks ago when we did it. And that was a little bit of a surprise just in the sense that he's a reliever. But he's somebody that Lance and a lot of other people out there think could be like a back end of the bullpen type reliever very right. soon. So, he is a guy that, you know, even after this series in Toronto, I, I fully expect to see at some point in September. I don't yeah. know if it's the whole month. It could be. But, like, he's a guy that I think 100% the Cubs are going to protect this winter from 40-man and uh, and become a factor moving forward. Brendan Lindell, I think, is a really interesting case because yeah. former first-round pick, as we said, but he was picked as a starter. It wasn't until last year that he really moved to reliever full-time. Really, since doing that, he's kind of taken off, and he hasn't put up the same kind of numbers that Jeremiah Estrada has. But still, this is a lefty who's only 25, 26 years old. He's he's still on the younger side, and then just the fact that uh, he is a lefty, he is Rule Five eligible, he has options, he can go back and forth. I think he's a guy that it might be a tough decision, but he very well could be on the radar for the Cubs to keep beyond this season. Yeah, and and the lefty option is huge, right? Where you, you want to maybe put him on your 40 man just because. That is maybe a little bit more likely to be taken in the Rule 5 draft than maybe a Jeremiah Estrada, as nasty as he, as he has been, just given the, the effectiveness that he has from the left-handed side. That's something that teams very much value. Yeah. Left-handed pitching is always a priority. Pitching in general is always a priority, but left-handed pitching is huge. And, and to me, the most interesting thing with, the, with Estrada and with Little, but really with, you mentioned Manny Rodriguez, we've seen Eric Ullman up in the majors. All these young guys is seeing them in these leverage situations. We've yeah. seen Brandon Hughes kind of Brandon Hughes, excuse me, go kind of from like a really cool story where he gets five strikeouts right off the rip in the major leagues, then kind of has a little struggles, then kind of re- reestablishes himself, and now he's clearly the the quote unquote closer for the Chicago Cubs, yeah. and he's done pretty well in the high leverage situations. David Ross has really grown to like him. It's really interesting seeing these young guys in this situation. Because this is kind of when you want them to go through those having to pitch in a tie game in the eighth, having to pitch in a one-run game in the seventh. You want them to go through this this season where, yes, there's still a ton of pressure of pitching in that situation, but it's not as high leverage as come September in a pennant race or, or in a playoff race. Like This is the time where you 
kind of established that. We saw that with Scott Efros, right? Where yeah. Scott Efros was, you know, worked his way up and then he got into high leverage situations. We saw what he became. I mean, he just absolutely took off after right. that experience. Exactly. And and I, I've kind of seen a little bit of the flashes with Brandon Hughes and with Eric Ullman. I, I think Eric Ullman's got a funky enough delivery that it's not a net, typical right-handed delivery that, okay, you can pick up on. It's just enough funk in the in the bullpen like we saw with Scott Efrost. Yeah, and I think before that three-run homer that Ullman gave up to Danny Jansen in game one of the Blue Jays series, his ERA was sitting in the 2 threes yeah. range. So, like, I mean, he was very effective. So, yeah, I, like you said, obviously, like, to get a look at these guys, the Cubs' bullpen has been their weakness lately. Yeah. It just, it just, that's just how it's been. You know, it's they've gotten some leads, and unfortunately, the bullpen has blown it just in terms of how they've had they've played everything out. So, you know, uh, Rowan Wick has had his struggles up and down, and and it's it's you know it has been unfortunate in the locker room and the team just in the sense of like they feel like they're building something, they feel yeah. like they're working toward the next step, and to get leads, to have great starting pitching, and then to have it blow it like. That's there's a disappointment factor for sure. Like fans are feeling it, they're absolutely feeling it in the clubhouse and stuff there. And maybe a guys like Little or Estrada can help this season. But I think next year it's about putting that bullpen together, right? Yeah. And it's you know they understand that it would. I think Wade Miley said it would take a miracle for them to to make the wild card right now. I mean that's true. They haven't mathematically been eliminated, but with about five weeks left in the season, they are trying to play spoiler. They're trying to play for next mm-hmm. year. But seeing these guys and what they can do in leverage spots, seeing what how they could build their bullpen moving forward. I mean, these guys were, for the most part, unknowns. Like, yeah. before mid-May, we didn't know Brandon Hughes. Now, like you said, he's a major part of this team moving forward. Eric Ullman also looks like one. Manny Rodriguez, he could be as well. Maybe Little is. Maybe Estrada is. Maybe we see Ben Leeper. Maybe we see some of these other guys. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, building a lot of bullpen. Mark Leiter Jr. has stopped. We yeah. talked last week about him, but he's been really effective in, in leverage mm-hmm. spots. So... To see this moving forward, to see this is like, it, it is the ups and downs, but it's basically the inside baseball look at like how you build a bullpen, yeah. and the Cubs are figuring that out on the fly right now. Yeah, and that's the that's the incredible thing too, where they've they've shown 2020, right? You 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 signed Jeremy Jeffers, who, who when K- Craig Kimbrell had his struggles, Jeremy Jeffers was a was a solid arm. Then you saw they traded for Chafin, and and then they got Ryan Tapera. They built a bullpen in 2021, kind of on the fly, for lack of a better term, there. Then this year, David Robertson, Chris Martin, Michael Givens, that was the goodest trio as, as you could find, and that yep. was through free agency. Like, There's one thing that the Cubs have shown is that bullpen, building a bullpen isn't you know, this huge uh, mammoth puzzle for them. They've, they've kind of found a formula. I don't know what the R&D department's <laughs> doing or how they're, they're doing it, but they, they figured out the, the formula to build a, a pretty successful bullpen year in and year out. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're like kind of – resting on that confidence of that they understand that bullpens are highly volatile and relievers are as well you know i mean scott Efrost did take off and has done well but look at rowan wick's path it has been linear it's there's been plenty of ups and downs even this season from him Mm -hmm. you know a guy who has been a leverage arm in the past but yeah you know i think the bullpen like we said at this point i would kind of say that that's one of the only weaknesses if that makes sense like the offense has been up and down but you know they played pretty well in that series in Milwaukee. They they had some leads even game one against the Blue Jays. They obviously had a four nothing lead yeah. before the bullpen kind of gave a few back. But right now I think the Cubs they feel like they're on the right track in a lot of ways. Their starting pitching has has for the most part been healthy. Uh, Keegan Thompson I know on the IL here, but Javier Assad has come up and done well. Like yeah. their starting pitching has been good. They've been effective with it. Their offense has been good. Their defense has been pretty good. Um, so I think they feel like they're on the right track. And it's been really interesting. I just wrote about it for marquisportsnetwork.com this week, but about 
some of the veterans, like I already talked about Wade Miley and then Drew Smiley, Marcus Stroman, like what they say about the Cubs. They feel like they're really confident that the Cubs are on the right path. And for Miley and Smiley, who are two guys who are not signed beyond this year, there's a mutual option for Smiley, but they they really want to be back here. And it's not just like lip service. At least it hasn't struck me as that way. It seems legit. Like they love pitching here. They love the environment, but they love the clubhouse. They love the young guys. Like Miley specifically called out Nico and how he loves how Nico said that this is like a this is not this is like a tryout for individual people yeah. in terms of like showing what they can do if they're a piece of the future moving forward or if they are going to be a piece for another franchise but also it's about the team and it's banding together and yeah. it's showing that like showing at the league or potential pieces for next year like hey we're not that far away yeah. for Miley to realize that to recognize that and to appreciate that Nico said something like that too I thought spoke a lot and and really you know you look at Nico you look at Justin Steele you look at Keegan Thompson Morel, Velasquez, Suzuki, like there are pieces in place and these guys want to be a part of it. And yeah. and I remember, I think last week on this pod, we even talked about it. Like Kyle Hendricks said, there's winning coming and I want to be back for that. Right. Like these veteran pitchers, they've, they've been around winning before. They feel like they're on the cusp of that. It's almost like that 2014 comparison that we've heard a few times and Jed Hoyer even talked a little bit about last week. Yeah, there, there is the comparisons there, right? Where the 2014 team finished strong and, and went into the offseason with a lot of momentum. John Lester comes around. Jake Arrieta becomes the the dominant was dominant of pitchers we've seen. Yeah, uh, and, and that kind of built towards what we saw in 15, 16, 17, etc. There's been flashes of that, right? Where you see Nick Madrigal, you know, been been very successful since he's come back from injury. Marcus Stroman has looked really solid. Nico Horner has been playing gold gold glove level defense. I think I, this this might be two weeks in a row where I've stumbled over saying gold glove level defense <laughs> but he's playing gold glove level defense uh and, and like you mentioned suzuki like there's there's so many pieces there that it, you can you can see what they're it's why i don't believe that it's lip service where they're saying oh yeah yeah we're yeah. close uh, it's it's different when you're saying oh yeah it's close and you're on a 15 game losing streak. well it's like okay there's probably some lip service there when you're seeing you know close ball games you're, you're losing in extra innings or you're winning three in a row four in a row five in a row there's a little difference when someone's saying that it's a little bit more believable. Yeah, and I, I think too, just the fact that like everybody has acknowledged that not the team as currently constructed, it's adding pieces. Yeah. It's probably adding several veteran relievers for next year to yeah. go with all the young guys we talked about. Maybe adding or bringing back a veteran starter or yeah. two, like the Wade Miley or Drew Smiley, or yeah. maybe getting. I mean, a front of the rotation type starter would obviously be ideal. You know, yeah. adding another impact level bat that like inspires fear in the opponents you know pitching staff as they're game planning especially if Wilson Contreras moves on after this season so yeah I think there's a lot obviously that needs to be added but their their confidence in it I thought was really interesting and and obviously like you said you know Jed Hoyer even initially Jed didn't want to talk about the 2014 didn't want to make those comparisons with this year's club and then things changed and and he talked about you know the the organization's top prospects back in 2014 they were already in the big leagues or on the cusp of the big leagues. That's not quite the case with where the Cubs are at now. But Brennan Davis is back healthy. He was back in AAA Iowa today, Tuesday here, for the first time since he injured his back early May. So, I mean, that's good. They have, they've obviously added some, some starting pitching depth down there. They have other guys that can impact. You know, Matt Mervis is, is raking there. Alexander Canarios in AAA. Like, they have yeah. some guys that are on the cusp. And then just the fact that we've seen these guys take the next step, as we talked about. So, there are definitely some parallels. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison between 2014 and 2022. 
But I think obviously the Cubs would love it if next year they come out with 97 wins and you know advance <laughs> all the way to the NLCS. That'd be ideal. Um, but I think a big reason of or a big path to success the Cubs would have next year is really comes down to Steele and Thompson. Yeah. What those guys do. We've seen. I think Steele. Right now, I'd be comfortable with him going into the season as the number two. Yeah. So even if it's Stroman as the ace or if they sign an ace or whatever else, I think he's a 2-3 type pitcher. Keegan Thompson can absolutely be in the rotation. He can also be a dynamic reliever. But I know you have a story coming soon just about how they're learning from all these veteran pitchers. Yeah, about. yeah. And I, I, I just, you know, thinking about going through your first major league season as a starter, to me, for Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, what's that kind of like? And who better to ask than guys who have done that? Marcus yeah. Stroman, Drew Smiley. I asked Kyle Hendricks when he had his, his big scrum what he saw about them and how he's helping them. And and Drew Smiley, I think, had one of the best answers. He, like, laughed. And I said, what do you remember about your rookie season? He, like, laughed. He says, it's long. And he just laughed. And yeah. then he goes, it's really, really long because in the minor leagues, the, the schedule's changed a little bit. But before, the season ended in August. And you had maybe playoffs in September. So when you reach August, like, when you reach where you're at now in the calendar – you, either your season, minor league season is about to be over or is over or you're getting ready for the playoffs or you're a little little more amped up because you're trying to win a championship uh, at the minor league level. In the majors, you get to this point and you still got four weeks, yep. five weeks left in the season. And it, it could be exhausting when you've never done that before to add. Physically and mentally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Especially, you know, in the Cubs situation where, you know, like you said, it's, it's mathematically possible, yes, that they could make the playoffs. Very, very, very unlikely that they will. So to kind of have that mental fortitude to kind of say, hey, we can we can still make the play, or we I still can perform at a high level, and I can still help the team win. That takes a lot of mental strength that they're showing, and that's really really what's been so impressive about Justin Steele. And then to that end, when I asked Marcus Stroman, Marcus Stroman kind of said the same thing. He says it's a grind. You know, it, it's 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 really really tough to kind of go through that first full season. And one thing that struck me from Marcus Stroman was. The big thing for him was finding not only an in-season routine, like what you do in between your starts and what you do the day after your starts, et cetera, but it's what you do in the off-season, right? Like how do you get your body prepared to play another 162, to, to pitch for, you know, from February all the way to, in the for many teams' hope through October. Um, Marcus Stroman was very candid where he said, you know, I thought I was prepared really well and I thought I was in a good spot. And then I tore my ACL. My, my in spring training my second year and I realized I was not prepared I was not doing and he changed everything in his preparation Justin Steele kind of alluded to it a few a few weeks ago where he said he thought he realized you know he was coming into camp in too good of a shape which is <laughs> so ironic Weird. because everyone Terrible. says uh, you know I'm in the best shape of my life he wanted to come in a little bit bigger because he loses weight and it's hard for him to keep on weight so that's what I what's been most interesting to me and seeing that knowing that they have reference points, whether it's Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley, Wade Miley, Kyle Hendricks, but even some of the veteran relievers when they were here that they could talk to, like that's huge for, for a young pitcher going through their first major league season grind as a starter. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you touched on it too. I think they're preparing because one, they're athletes, but two, I think the Cubs do have a legitimate hope for next year that they are going to be pitching beyond September yeah. for 30th or whatever. I don't remember exactly when the 2023 season ends. It might go with the first couple of days of October, but they try to prepare for a seven-month season or yeah. eight months when you include spring training as well. So, like, And that's something that Ross has always talked about is, like, it's not about shutting guys down, even though Keegan Thompson and Steele have, have both, like, blown past their, their pre previous professional high in innings pitched. 
that there's value into learning how to pitch when you're this exhausted physically or mentally right. and then also knowing that hey there's another month left and it's the most important month it's, right. it's when you're in october so i love that ross has called that out several times and he says it very matter of factly because that is what the expectation that is what yeah. the goal is is that these guys are going to be pitching for seven month seasons at some point down the line they hope next year you know and even if not like very soon so i think learning how to do that learning from guys like smiley who just won a world series last year miley's been in the playoffs a couple of times uh Stroman's been in the playoffs a few times. Obviously, Kyle Hendricks has won a World Series and been in playoffs a bunch. And David Ross has been in the playoffs a lot and caught a lot of pitchers. Yeah. So there's a there's definitely a, uh, a precedent here to try to figure this out and move forward. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see just how the last four weeks play out. When Thompson gets off the IL, when Steele comes back from his little back injury hiccup here, um, how, how they handle that moving forward. Um, I think that'll be really cool. But right now we're going to take a quick break in the pod when we come back. We're going to talk about how a position player handles the final four or five weeks of the season. And we're going to actually catch up with the Cubs' top two draft picks who are in studio at Marquee this week. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? Get your exclusive card at wintrust.com slash cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. All right, welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. So as we mentioned, we're talking about a position player and how yeah. he, how the final four or five weeks of the season plays out. Has the conversation around Nick Madrigal changed since he's returned from injury? He was a guy who... Up and down season, coming off a major injury. Obviously, yeah. when, anytime you tear your hamstring so bad, you need surgery. That's a big deal. Yeah. But, you know, a groin injury, a low back injury, all kind of maybe related or stemming from that, yeah. that serious hamstring injury last year. But, you know, up and down season, wasn't quite performing. Since he's been back, 21 games, 303 average, 384 on base, 726 OPS, and four three-hit games just over the course of the month. Has the conversation changed about Magic? I think so. I think it's pretty clear. It's kind of the player that you kind of saw with the White Sox and that you kind of saw when he was drafted coming up. You know, he was just a guy that, a high-contact guy, doesn't strike out a lot, puts the ball in play, can hit for mm -hmm. average. That's exactly what we've been seeing. You know, yeah. almost 400, uh, 400 on base percentage is, is insane. You know, like, is that sustainable? Probably not. But it, it, the, the batting average, I think, is. You know, I think there's... It's not unrealistic to think that he can hit near or near or around the 300 mark, and he's shown that. You know, he hits, he sprays the ball all over, he puts mm -hmm. the ball in play. It's kind of what you want out of a leadoff hitter, where he can get on base and kind of set the tone for the offense. And as you mentioned, it's been huge seeing him, you know, stay 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 healthy throughout this sustained period and go through a full major league season, um, which he he hasn't done. Nico Horner's in the same boat, right? Where uh, as remarkable as the season is, it's kind of easy to forget this is his first full 162 yeah. that he's been healthy and gone through you know 2021 he started off the season in triple a didn't was didn't start the season with the team then kind of had injuries throughout the season he didn't play four the, different ILs. yeah exactly yeah. didn't play throughout 2020 was as strange of a season as you'll ever have and then 2019 obviously the, the late call up so this is a full 162 and if this is who he is that's elite level shortstop defensively and a really good bat it's been impressive to see him stay healthy and and go through this grind just like we talked about with the pitchers to be able to go through that grind and know maybe if you're a little tired if you're a little sore right now in September as you mentioned 
for the goal for the Cubs is you got to power through that because in an ideal world, you still have two months left of baseball. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the fact that Nico Horner is at like 4.2 war from yeah. baseball reference after, again, after Monday's game, like 4.2 war on baseball reference with, with five weeks left in the season is really good. Yeah. Like, like that's all-star level. That's like bordering on like elite level. Yeah. I don't know exactly where that ranks in the National League, but I imagine it's probably like a top 20, top yeah. 25 range. Um, so yeah, that that is incredible. And honestly, this in, this offseason is going to be really, really interesting yeah. in what the Cubs do because we already, Jed Hoyer's already said they're going to be active in free agency. Mm -hmm. In terms of adding impact bats, going back to what we talked about earlier, the best way to add an impact bat through free agency this winter is shortstop. You yeah. have Carlos Correa probably opting out. You have Dansby Swanson, who's going to be a free agent unless he re-signs with the Braves, which has happened before. Then you have uh, Trey Turner and Xander, Xander Bogarts, Bogarts yeah. who are all expected to be free agents. So really, the four best offensive players probably are going to be all playing shortstop. Yeah. Now, do you move Nico off? If you move hey. Nico off, then do you move him to second base? Then where does Madrigal play? Yeah. And so, like, it's really weird. You know, it, it, it it's going to be fascinating just to see how this plays out, just to see how the Cubs go. They do need more talent. They need impact talent. They need an impact bat. So, yes, adding one of those players, I don't know how they would figure it out, but when we look at what we're talking about with Madrigal, we're talking about Nico. You're talking about two 300 hitters. At least it certainly seems likely or possible that they can be 300 hitters over the course of a full season yeah. when MLB batting average is in the 230s range as yeah. an average that's incredible it's 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 remarkable and to have two of those guys in the lineup and then to have other impact bats around it I think is is really interesting and then Magical's played good defense and Nico's like a very very good defender if not an elite defender yeah. I, I don't know where they go like how they quite fit this in um I just think it's going to be super interesting to watch. As Jared Banner mentioned, you know, he was asked, you know, there's a lot of outfielders in the prospect uh, or in the in the prospects coming up in the in the minor league system. He says you can never, I, I, I'll never complain for having too many good players. Yeah, that's that's you know that's a little luxury, right? Where you know it's funny because to me, you know, when you look at outs above average on, on Baseball Savant, MLB Statcast, the only defensive shortstop that has a better outs above average than Nico Horner is Dansby Swanson. So it's hard for me to say, oh yeah move Nico Horner off when he's really, really been been elite. Yeah, it'll be super interesting to see how it plays out for sure. And honestly, I mean, you talked about like the outfielders coming up. The Cubs player development, this has been a banner year, no pun intended yeah. for that, <laughs> uh, for the player development staff for sure, just in terms of how many breakout prospects there's been, there have been. And I think we're adding a couple guys into that system here that we're going to see with Cade Horton and Jackson Ferris, the Cubs are going to get an opportunity to see what their top two picks from this last year uh, will really do next year. You know, both guys, Ferris is coming out of high school, Horton is coming off a of Tommy John surgery and then pitched this season uh, in college and going all the way to College World Series. So I think the Cubs are kind of, you know, shutting them down for the season. Active rest was the way Jed Hoyer talked about it. But for them, they got an opportunity to come to Wrigley Field. Yeah. They saw it for the first time. They were in the clubhouse. They saw their jerseys. They had their family there. They were taking photos. It's kind of a cool moment. Met with the Chicago media and then also came over here to the Marquee Sports Network studios, chatted with, with Cole Wright and Cameron Mabin, and uh, just gave a little insight into who they are as people and what their experience was like. So let's take a listen to that right now. The pair of fellas, Cade Horton, Jackson Ferris, number seven, number 47. Fellas, thanks so much for stopping by, first and foremost. And, uh, Cade, I'm going to start with you. Uh, first time in Chicago. How do you like the city? 
It's awesome. Um, it's everything, you know, I dreamed of. And, you know, people here are great. Food's great. And so it's it's been awesome to be here. There's a lot of good food. You're going to find is. that out as your days there in is. Chicago unwind. How about you? Uh, first time in Chicago. What would you think of the city, man? Oh, it was definitely cool seeing, like, what everyone says about it and then coming here and actually seeing it in person. It's awesome. Okay, now uh, draft day. Let's go back. July 17th, a moment both of you guys will never forget. Let's revisit that. With the seventh pick of the 2022 MLB Draft, the Chicago Cubs select Cade Horton, a right-handed pitcher from the University of Oklahoma. The Minnesota Twins have the next pick. I see you shaking your it's, head there. I don't know about you, but I have goosebumps yeah, myself. Just, How would you feel it just, when you heard it? It's just, it didn't feel real. Um, it, it was a crazy experience that, you know, it's a dream come true. And, and to be in that position, it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And we remember Rick Sutcliffe, he announced your selection right there. Another chicken skin moment. So uh, let's check it out as well. You ready? Yeah. Okay, oh, let's yeah. go. With the 47th pick of the 2022 MLB Draft, the Chicago Cubs select Jackson Ferris, a left-handed pitcher from IMG Academy, Bradenton, Florida. The Minnesota Twins have the next pick. 1984 Cy Young Award winner. He was pretty excited out <laughs> yeah. here to have your name called off of his mouth. Uh, it was super cool. So, like, we were going through, and, like, we knew that the first round was over and then that there were players that were going to come back and start saying the second-round picks. And whenever we found out that the Cubs were looking at 47, my dad was saying that, like, who he thought it would be and all that. And he said Rick, and so to actually see him come on and say yeah. my pick, it was super cool. Okay, so guys, I, we know you're baseball guys through and through. So growing up, Kate, uh, when it comes to your favorite player, Cam, this is going to make us feel really old. But uh, is there anyone in particular that you tried to model your game after? Um, I wouldn't say try to model my game after. I would say you know I looked up to and and you know kind of admired, um, and I think that'd be Derek Jeter. I think watching him and how he carries himself was was what I wanted to be. Have you watched The Captain? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. You know, it was, okay, something that intrigues me, and I hear you talk about Derek Jeter, uh, um, and I wanted to ask you this. One thing that I, I really believe that the Cubs might have got two of the best pitchers in this year's draft. That's yeah. that's what I believe after watching you guys, after watching tape on you guys. And one thing I love about you, Kate, is, is the athlete that you were, the, a three-sport athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a huge moment. Going back to the draft, you know, was there a moment at the draft where you were surprised that you went seventh or, you know, um, for you for you also, you know, was there a moment where you were wondering, you know, is this real? When is my name going to get called? Because I remember when I was going through my draft day, you know, they said I was going to get drafted here. It didn't happen. So then I started to panic and all of these emotions come over you. You know, what were those emotions like and, and, and how do you feel as far as, you know, you're thinking about picking a stick back up again yeah. and maybe swinging the bat a little bit as well. Yeah, for me, you know, going through the 2020 draft, you know, they, I expected my name to be called and it didn't happen. Um, and so I think this draft, I kind of um, kind of blocked out all the noise and just, you know, focused on, you know, myself um, and whatever happens, happens. I, I, I wasn't expecting my name to get called as early as it did. Um, so that came as a surprise. I was expecting, you know, later um, anywhere from the teens to the 20s. Um, and so for it to come at seven, I think, you know, it was, it blew me away. Well, I, I think personally, the Cubs got that pick right. I think that's where you should have <laughs> went with the stuff that I've seen, uh, the athlete that you are. I think they got that pick right. Oh, I appreciate and, that. And Jackson, for you, 
I want to know, how do you feel like IMG helped you mature and develop? I know uh, one thing that intrigued me about you is listening to you talk about not lifting as much, but being more in tune with your body, more long toss. You know, how do you think that transition to IMG really helped, you know, bolster your, you know, where you are in the draft and where you went? It was definitely good because with the coaches at IMG, like, I really feel like that, like, for me to get introduced to lifting and all, like, the big pitching stuff that they have, all the electronics that they have and everything, like, I feel like I needed to go to a big place like IMG to get introduced to all that instead of being in my hometown to get introduced to lifting because at IMG you get introduced to baseball lifts or pitching lifts, whereas back home it would just be, like, everyone's doing the same lift, whether you're a football player, whether you're an offensive lineman, or if you're a pitcher, everyone's doing the same thing. So it's really good to get the coaching at IMG. So that, that really Baseball sp specific, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yes, sir. Yeah, Fine-tuning all those little muscles, that is uh, foremost when it comes to importance. Now, you guys, uh, you certainly have some shoe game going on here. And those <laughs> shoes, well, th they hit the, the grass over at Wrigley Field for the very first time. And uh, I asked you guys as you sat down, have you been to Wrigley before? Both of you guys hit me with the no answer. Yeah. So when you first walked into the Federal Landmark Cade, what was your first feeling? Um, just feeling the history, the ivy, it was, it's incredible feeling. Um, the surface is awesome and just taking it in, I think that was the biggest thing for me is just, you know, I'm in awe and it's been awesome. Yeah, what was it like for you, Jackson, when you uh, finally walked into Wrigley Field? It was super cool with uh, my grandpa growing up in Chicago and him being a Cubs fan, it was super cool. You always heard about two parks, Fenway and Wrigley, just with the history that they have and now I've been to both and Wrigley, it's just like, it's always been a dream for me to come here and then see the field, so it's super cool. Absolutely. And this is for both of you guys, and you know, just got drafted, you're taking it all in. Um, for me, you know, I had a timetable for myself. I know you had some college experience, uh, you know, high, being a high school guy, big arm. You know, for both of you, is there a timetable that you guys are looking at? You know, you, we write down goals as athletes, are you guys saying, um, you know, a year from now, I want to be in a show. I know for me at a high school, you know, I, I said I'm going to give myself three seasons as if these were my college years to, to improve, to develop. And after those three years, I want to be in the big leagues. Do you guys have, uh, you know, goals or timetables where you say, you know, I want to be in Chicago helping this team win games and, and hopefully get to a World Series? Yeah, um, I would say for me, I, I personally like having smaller goals. Um, you know, I think that carries you a lot longer than having, you know, a, a big goal. Um, I think, you know, you, you like Rome wasn't built in a day. And so, you know, you got to start with the small pieces to get to the big picture. Um, and so that's what I try to focus on is just how can I get better each and every day? For me, it's just kind of like I want to get up to the show as quick as possible. So whether like everyone says that like we want to see you mature and everything, like, of course, I want to get bigger and stronger. But like, I feel like if I can get up to the show and pitch the way I look right now, like, why not do it? So it's, it's basically it. just getting there as quick as possible I, at the I same love time. It. Don't let them change you. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 I love what you do. Don't let them change you. Andrew, Andrew Miller, they try to get Andrew Miller to change them. Don't let them change you. You have great, <laughs> great stuff. Now, I don't know if you guys saw Javier Assad the other day. He made his major league debut. And, uh, oh, by the way, his first big league strikeout came against a guy with 693 career home runs. The one and only Albert Pujols. Now, when you guys get out there on the slab at Wrigley Field, First career strikeout. Who would you like it to be? You know, don't, don't don't give me a fringe guy. I want a, a headliner. Uh, who do you want to face? That's the question. Who do you want to face? Those who do you, really who get you watch the show that you want to really face? Absolutely. Gosh, that's tough. Um, I don't. I don't know. Honestly, that's a. I haven't even thought about that. I'm just. <laughs> 
That's a good question. Because with that, uh, let me think. Let me think. I know. Let me think about that. Mm. Who, you, who you have an answer? Well, okay, thanks. I would say there's not really a specific person. It's just the first person that comes up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. Bring yes. on the first. Oh, yeah. Bring on the first. Whoever, whoever, whoever's, whoever's, yeah. whoever's the leadoff. Get over with. It's gonna be. I like it. Okay. I like yes. it. I like that. Right, I got. I got. I got one more for Jackson. Okay, talking about you know one guys you want to face. I heard you were a huge Big Poppy fan. Yeah. Are you gonna be trying to get that 34 you know, when it's when it's time you know when it's time to show up? Um, so my original number growing up all throughout high school, well throughout high school was 10. So I wanted to be 10. Then finding out it's retired, it's like growing up when I was little, being a big Red Sox fan, I was 34 when I was little. Now it's like okay, I can bring this number back out and still use that. All right, I like it. Yeah, okay, I like now, it. This is for both of you guys, uh, Jackson. I'm gonna start with you first. If you can give any youngsters out there one piece of advice on, on their journey to becoming a professional baseball player, what would it be? Don't forget where you come from. So like me, it's like going to IMG, like I still had family in my corner and just being able to realize that like even me coming from a small town, like you gotta remember where you came from and it's just like always realizing who's the important people in your life and just sticking with them no matter what. How about you, Kate? Multi-sport athlete, went to the College World Series. Uh, what advice would you give to the young man? <laughs> uh, I agree with Jackson on that, but my advice would be, you know, don't, don't worry about what other people say. Stay in your lane and, and focus on what, control what you can control and, and let, you know, the outside noise, just let it be and, and hone in on your work and your craft. All right, last question for you guys. First round pick, second round pick. Have you guys looked for an apartment fair in Arizona? <laughs> are we are we going to be roommates or what? I know I was, you know, roommates with Andrew Miller. You guys talking about, you know, rooming up and, you know, that way you can feed off each other. You know, we haven't brain. talked about that yet, but <laughs> I'm throwing uh, it out there for you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 happy to to do that. That'd be yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, there's every when you're in Arizona, you always like you always want the time to yourself, yeah. but then again, like you always go back to the room and you're like, I want somebody to exactly. talk to every once in a while. Yes. So like, it'd be good to have a roommate. Oh, Just yeah, first right. year through, it's it's good. It's nice yes. to have somebody to bounce, you know, yeah. ideas oh, yeah. and thoughts exactly. off of. Just Absolutely. throwing that out there. All right, yeah, that was great stuff. I'm really curious to see what Horton and Ferris do next year for the team. I mean, obviously Ferris a few years away, 18 year old lefty. Horton is a guy that I don't know, maybe he does move rather quickly, yeah. especially with that slider that he worked into his mix too. Right. So um, it'll definitely be fascinating to see how they play out, how they develop within the system. Uh, but it'll be 2023 before we really see them in affiliate ball or on the mound for the Cubs in the minor league system. But for now, that'll do it for Andy and myself for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and on YouTube. Thanks for listening.